Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about the fantastic second season of HBO's Somebody Somewhere. We are joined today by actor, writer, and executive producer Bridget Everett, along with writers, creators, and executive producers Hannah Boss and Paul Thoreen, and cast members Jeff Hiller, Murray Hill, and Mary Catherine Garrison. And Hannah and Paul, in, in starting with the two of you, one of the things that I find so beautiful about this show is, is the fact that when, when you're writing the antagonistic elements for characters, it's all about the internal journey. It doesn't have to be some monumental, life-changing external thing that happens to them. It can be something as simple as what happens if my best friend doesn't have as much time to spend with me and what does that make me reevaluate within myself? And so I was just really interested in how you approach writing a show and, and really finding a lot of the narrative arcs within episodes in a way that has this very minute, new, nuanced conflict that characters have where it's always the internal journey first and foremost? So that's a, a great question. And we, you know, we we do sort of work on the show with our writers and also Bridget, Carolyn Strauss, our other EP, and it's sort of a conversation with, with all of us. And it was Carolyn who sort of, you know, said that this show happens in the cracks, which was sort of putting a, a word on it, which we really, really love. And I think that, you know, in, in creating this show, you know, our big thing was really looking at like full characters and looking at like the the stories and the people and the journeys that are often shipped to the side narratives. And so that means that you're spending time with the, the moments of what you have to do to get through the day. And these, you know, it's it feels like low stakes, but these are sort of like the heightened personal stakes that we spend most of our time with. And so I think for us, sort of looking at these characters as full human beings, capturing the full humanity of them and sort of looking at, you know, of course you have to have drive and, and you talk about that in TV shows, but sort of us at look, looking at these smaller moments. And if we could, that was the big experiment with the first season. If we could tell the, the, the story with those stakes and at those levels and focusing on those moments, is that enough? And I feel like that's sort of the journey of a lot of these characters. Like, is that enough? Is it, are my dirty songs enough? Am I enough? And I think that, you know, sort of that's been our journey is like, is it enough to tell stories like that? So for us going into season two, knowing that certain people respond to those types of stories and that level of drama and that level of examination um, has been sort of a real treat that we get to do that again. And we've sort of opened up these characters in season one. So season two, there's all these risks of having being a little bit open and a little bit vulnerable. And, you know, it is still a coming of age story for all of these characters now that we're sort of living with. And there are consequences to opening yourself up to the world. It's pretty scary and risky and, um, there, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, having to sort of find love in yourself, especially when someone might not be around all the time for you, which we sort of experienced for a lot of characters this season. Yeah, you know, and and off the back of that, Bridget, you know, Sam Sam's arc going into the second season, there's so many things that she's exploring within herself, and and yet her external relationships are really what allows her to kind of come into a place of self confidence in a lot of ways, and and it's really lovely to see her in a space where she starts to see herself in the way that the people around her have always viewed her and seen her. Um, and so I was interested in how you looked at a lot of aspects of the external relationships and friendships that she has, whether it's her sister or her best friend, and really looked at how are they viewing her in the story? And so how is that making her evolve within herself? Well, I, I think that's such a beautiful question and I'm going to do a horrible job answering that, but I, <laughs> I think it's like, you, you know, at least in my experience, like um, I, I feel like uh, 
opening up and sort of walking back into life was a really long, slow dirge. Um, and Mary Catherine, who was my roommate for many years, can attest to that because she was in there in some of the, the the real thick of it, the real meat of it. But um, I, I think like there's a lot of thinking about when we're thinking about the story is like, okay, well, how does this, like, what's this doing for Sam? How is this opening her up? And there's a lot of times where I'm just like, you know, I think this would make Sam shut down because it would make Bridget shut down. You know, like there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, um, it's, it's a lot of incremental, Sam's growth is very incremental where other people seem to be, you know, I think Trisha's character moves a lot faster and further than Sam does. And it's, it's just sort of thinking about how each character has learning from each other as you go along. And, and just speaking back to what you were saying before that, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard when you're putting the script together to make those things really evident and really clear. Um, but you know that it's it's a more personal moment. You just kind of have to trust that it's going to come out in performance. And luckily HBO is really good at like urging us along to sort of be like, well, there's not enough here. Like you really still, we still need to see more in the actual dialogue. Cause I think my, my, my default, and I think, you know, Paul and Hannah are sort of the same as like, well, well, you know, it's just how she feels. You'll see it. You'll know. <laughs> but but sometimes you have to be, you have to say the thing. You have to state the intention. You have to do the do the thing. So I don't know if I answered your very eloquent question, um, but, you know, the, I did the best I could and, and we're all still here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jeff, in, in talking a little bit about Joel, there's, there's a lot of really, um, you know, kind of very realistic juxtapositions and who he is as a person. He's such an incredibly generous, kind-hearted person who makes a lot of space for other people, but he'll also set his boundaries and, and take up the space that he needs as well. You know, he's he's generous and, and very complimentary and always uplifts people, but he also will express his dissatisfactions and things. Um, and I love the nuance that that gives you in scenes and being able to play, you know, opposing truths within the same moment. And so I was just interested in, in how you've kind of found a, a lot of those intricacies with a character where there's often and dualities at play in scenes because I feel like we get to see moments where you know Joel's laughing hysterically one second and then you know saying something very serious serious and heartfelt the moment after yeah I mean I think it's it's the result of really good writing that is able to be interpreted very well and I I think also um uh it's you know for like 20 years I've been playing like waiters and it's so much easier to play a fully realized character <laughs> because uh, you never are someone who's like, all I'm thinking about is telling you, you don't have a reservation. That's it. But uh, in real life, you have like all of these different things that are going on in your head. And it's actually much easier to harness that and, and play that kind of a role. Um, so I love it. I love that you get to do lots of different things at once. It's wonderful. It's a gift. I love that for you so much. And and Murray with Fred, um, you know, I wanted to ask about the way in which you get to play this character that always has such strong convictions and choices. You know, Fred feels like the character that knows what they want in the world the most. And whenever they make a decision, it's it's never kind of questioning, is this the right thing to do? You know, I, I'm getting engaged to someone I've known for years and I know that this is absolutely the right moment for this. Um, and so in turn, how does that influence a lot of your performance where you're playing a character that has such strong and, and chartered motivations and execution of all their decisions and choices well now that you explain it like that (laughs) i feel that's how bridget paul and hannah see me (laughs) no i i think you know fred is the uh is is a is a slight default uh you know father figure 
in a way, or or paternal in his mannerism. So I I think some of that comes out in the you know making decisions, doing convictions because you know you've seen the show. These kids are a mess, <laughs> right? And you know somebody's got to stay the course. And I think what I like about Fred is that he's very subtle in his you know, what he's in, in his like forwardness and his decisiveness. So he, he's somehow, and you, correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, this guy used to be a wait, gay waiter. <laughs> is he, He's somehow the steady guy in the show. Yeah. So um, I don't know if that answered your question, but I'm doing the same answer that Bridget said, but you asked it so eloquently <laughs> and we're doing the best we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I would say Fred is somehow a slight anchor with these misfits and i'm the straight guy <laughs> get around that <laughs> and, and mary catherine when, when it comes to playing playing trisha and and looking at her journey going into the second season everything that she wanted in her life and where she thought she was heading has been fully stripped away from her and she's really at this huge crossroads in terms of professionally what am i doing personally what's my life do i feel like i could have another relationship after the breakdown of my marriage and and how I was treated um, and so how did you look at what you had built throughout the first season and think well if I strip away all these elements of what she thought she had built where does that place her for this kind of new foundational space that she's building from well it's not that hard to um because I think if you get to be a certain age and I'm almost 86 years old now so you know life throws a lot at you in those times and I've personally had to sort of reevaluate who I am, where I am, what am I doing? What do I actually want? Do I really want that thing that's now gone? And so that's not far-fetched. And I think we should let all 25 year olds know that, that that's actually on the horizon for everybody that life shakes you up and, you know, rolls the dice and spits you out. Um, but like everyone else has been saying, the gift of this show, which is why it's like the holy grail for me in terms of what I've always wanted to do in my career is that you are like, like Jeff was saying, these people, like you meet Trisha, Trisha looks like a one note kind of thing. Oh, she's a bitch. She's religious and she hates all gay people. And then what you learn is that she's misled. She's just regurgitating stuff she's heard. She's defensive. She's nervous. She's vulnerable and doesn't want to be. And then because the writing is so wonderful, you actually as an actor get to go through all that and you get to see that she's so much more than this one note thing, which I think is what you typically see on TV. And so this is what I prefer to watch. I liked, I like the nuance and I like the full realization of these people. And um, it's an absolute joy to act. And I also don't know what I'm saying or what I'm doing. I'm also <laughs> doing the very best that I can. We're all damaged. <laughs> then we bring that to the characters. Just someone nodded at me that it made sense that I just said, did it? Yes. It did. We're good. I bought it. I bought it. <laughs> Coming back to you, Bridget, how did you want to use that that journey and that relationship that Sam has in terms of music and her voice differently this season? Because season one was, how do I refine my voice? And I remember you talking about she'd been in this space where it was kind of like a limb was missing and she's, you know, she's now kind of reconnected to that. And so it feels like there's a lot of ways in which it just kind of comes forth much more naturally in her day to day. You know, even her just sitting in the car with Joel singing Gloria is just a representation of how far she's come since season one. But then there's a whole new dynamic of, you know, her questioning, well, what is my value now in the world? And that's also through her trajectory and her relationship with music. 
So how did you want to use those moments of music and song and her voice in a very different way to express this different arc through season two? Well, I think it's really hard to, it would be hard to sustain like a choir practice thing where she's going and singing a number every couple, you know, a showstopper or whatever. Um, and that's just not how life is. I think that for me, um, singing is the most important relationship in my life. It's the thing I love more than anything. And I think that as you're sort of awakening and as you're coming to life, that your communication tool for me and for Sam is, is singing. So that's going to be um, complicated. And like, sometimes it's like a dumb little song in the car with your sister. Sometimes it's, 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 it crushes your heart, you know, at least for Sam, I'm not saying for the audience, it's just like, but it, it's just the, it's the way it weaves its way through life. And that's how I wanted music to be represented. And it just, um, the odd places where it pops up, because that's how it pops up with my friends, you know, sometimes you're singing at a house party. Sometimes you're crying, looking at the wall with a glass of wine and a, and a Ani DeFranco song. I don't know why I said Ani DeFranco, but <laughs> I know why. I remember, <laughs> I remember, you know, like I, I remember when I, I lived in a, an apartment with Mary Catherine, I think I had a Papazon chair in my room and, you know, like those kinds of things where you just sort of sit in a chair, listen to a song over and over on repeat and feel sorry for yourself. Those moments are just as important as a time when you get on top mm -hmm. of the bar at the karaoke place and ripping open your shirt and have the highest high. So it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of both, a little bit of all of it. And sometimes it's not singing it, it's hearing it. And it's like how hearing other people, whether it's a, a sweet 17 year old girl or a room full of people um, and, and how, it sh how it shifts Sam on a cellular level. I love that. And, and and Paul and Hannah, and kind of going back to a little bit of what Bridget was talking about in terms of Sam's relationships in the season, as you're figuring out this, this very kind of like special and internalized journey that she's going on throughout a season, how do you kind of centralize her journey and her arc and then find those moments of, okay, well, what happens if we bring Joel into a scene? What happens if she then talks to her sister? How is this going to either move her forward or potentially kind of cause her to close back <coughs> bit from everything that she's going through because that really creates the path of, of a very like non-linear journey with herself that she's going on. We have so many wonderful actors um, playing these characters. It's very hard to pick who's going to sort of come into these stories. But this season, I feel like we have a really wonderful balance of sort of Sam-driven uh, stories and things coming from her. And then people sort of um, unraveling themselves sort of in different uh, lanes next to her, but they all sort of always affect Sam. Um, even though this is not a very like super story, story driven show, they're all, um, the stakes are all really high. Even if someone's just sitting in a car, um, the stakes are really high for these characters because they they honestly care so much about each other and they all sort of affect each other in this small town. I think also that, um, you know, I think this show and, and for Sam, it's always going to be about about worthiness and and feeling worthy of love. And I think that was a big thing for this story for the story. And I think that all the characters though have connections to that and, and parts of themselves that they that they hide that they think are not not important or for Sam being too big or for, for Joel, his spiritual journey. And I think that sometimes you need these people to, to see the thing in you, to sort of speak it to you for you to be able to grab onto that. So I think that that Sam sort of does have this thing that somebody's behavior will, will affirm sort of the thought that she's had of like, well, this is of course always what's gonna happen. This is what happens, so I'm gonna pull back. And I think that for Sam, it's then a little step in this idea that instead of pulling back, maybe next time it'll get a little easier and a little easier. And I think that 
you need the people in your life weaving in and out and sort of showing you who you are sometimes. And I think that that's sort of how this, this world works. And one of the things that, that, that I love about the dynamic of the comedy and the humor in the show and wanted to ask all of you a little bit about is just the aspect of allowing the humor to really live and breathe. I can't think of another show that allows its characters to laugh at each other as hard as this show does. There's so often times where you're watching a show and a character makes a joke and, and no one else around them responds to this. But this is full of not just, you know, smiling in response, but like full blown hysterical laughter and, and giggles constantly, which is really infectious for the audience, but also as part of of what makes it feel so real. And so I, I was very interested in, in kind of how you all found the dynamic of, of that being a really central part of the comedy and the execution of it at play when you first started making the show in season one. Well, it just feels like a very, oh, Mary Catherine, you muted. Some of the laughing in, in the show is, is not, you know, in a script. So, <laughs> you know, Say. I challenge you to, to not laugh in a lot of these scenes with these people. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it would be hard not to we're making each other laugh. And like, and that's like, I, there's something that I don't always love in a TV show. And it's like the bump set spike joke punchline cut to next guy, you know, blah, 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 like bam, bam, pal. Like uh, that's not real life, you know? So we wanted a lot of it happens in the editing room. You're like, no, we want to keep that. We want to keep the reaction. We want to let the moment sort of live because it feels real. And, um, and uh, yeah, we love, you know, making each other laugh. And, and also, you know, you got to cut the cutie, you know, if it's, if everything's getting too sort of tender and too whatever, we're all people that like to sort of, you know, laugh through the pain. Right. So those moments kind of happen. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Bridges. It's like, you know, we all do laugh and, and you know, we, we giggle and stuff like that, but you know, it's also a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially for people that have, you know, grown up and on the outside, which somebody somewhere is a slice of, of life of, of looking at that many different types of people who are all marginalized, you know, so we have to laugh. Otherwise, you know, nobody would get laid. No, but it's true. It, it, and I think laughter just, just as, you know, people who have grown up oppressed and discriminated, they bond by their troubles and their pain, which the show, you know, shows. It also goes the same for the humor and, you know, the laughing and stuff like that. So it's another, it's another way to bond when this, when, you know, the world is, is harsh. Well, it's 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 such a beautiful show, and and I love the fact that the second season really just built so much more on everything that you created in the first season. So thank you so much for sharing all of this, and congratulations on an amazing second season of the show. Thank you for thank the you. thoughtful thank you. questions thank you. and for uh, your support. And uh, you know, <laughs> love to shake your hand, say great job. Maybe we didn't rise up to your level with the, the eloquence, but uh, we're all here. And um, what she's you know. trying to say is the checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs>